When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. Well, we have another wonderful show for you this time. Yes, we do. Joanna's got stuff to say. I've got things to say. It's a whole thing with saying stuff. Things and stuff. That's, yes. you know, what the show is just all about. <laughs> it's true. So what do you have for us today, Joanna? Well, first episode since my Bridgewater Triangle saga, and I have selected a, uh, a creepy um, ventriloquist puppet story. Ooh, that sounds... A scary, slappy story. Horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have a couple articles to read. One is about the first Nessie sighting of 2022. And the other one is about um, abductions and sex with slash by aliens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, got a, got a wide spectrum. A wide spectrum. Going. So, I'm thinking maybe I'll start out with uh, Nessie, and then you can tell us about creepy-ass ventriloquist shit, and then we can uh, end it off with some debauched aliens. All right. That sounds like a plan. All right. Well, this article is from the Science Times by Margaret Davis. That came out March 31st of this year, 2022. Loch Ness Monster first sighting in 2022. Veteran Nessie Hunter captures rare, rare footage of the mysterious creature via webcam. A view of the Loch Ness Monster near Iverness, Scotland, April 19, 1934. The photograph, one of two pictures known as the Surgeon's Photographs, was allegedly taken by Colonel Robert Kenneth Wilson, though it was later exposed as a hoax by one of the participants, Chris Sperling, who on his deathbed revealed that the pictures were staged by himself, Marmaduke and Ian Weatherall, and Wilson. The Loch Ness Monster is probably the most famous animal in history whose existence has not yet been confirmed, hence the interest of cryptozoologists in the beast. Since its discovery in the 20th century, many have claimed that they have seen the monster in Loch Ness, Scotland. However, the claims are often questionable. A veteran Nessie hunter claimed that the Loch Ness Monster has just made its first sighting this year. The moment was captured in a video of two objects moving parallel to each other on the loch's surface. The sighting has now been recorded on the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register. 
mysterious Loch Ness Monster makes first appearance after three months. Irishman Eoin O'Foudhagen, a veteran Nessie hunter who regularly records the creature's sightings via the Loch Ness webcam, shared a video of the mysterious monster making its first appearance after over three months of no official sightings of the beast. A resident of the county Donegal in northwestern Ireland, O'Foudhagen had his first sighting back in 1987. Daily Star reported that O. Foudhagen was watching the webcam live stream on the afternoon of March 23rd when he spotted an unexplainable movement in the water. The video shows strange dark shapes moving about on the surface of the lake. An unconvinced netizen suggested in the comment section that the movement was probably from a log or some debris or a simple and common animal. However, Eowyn disagreed. The most northerly object takes a sharp turn to the left, leaving it in an unusual wake. You would have to rule out a log or debris, and it, is not, and it is not consistent of a seal to react in such a manner, he replied. Gary Campbell, the keeper of the Ivernus-based register, has recorded more than 1,136 alleged sightings of the Loch Ness Monster for over 26 years. According to him, the beginning of 2022 and the end of the winter season were unusually the quiet time for the monster. However, it does not mean that they do not have any reports early this year. But like many of the alleged sightings, they do not make it to the register if they are explainable. Unlike the recent video that was deemed credible enough to be unexplained, that is why it was added to the list. Uh, there's a video at the end of the thing you can watch. I'll The link's in the show notes, so you can all watch the lovely video. Is the Loch Ness Monster real? According to history, the Loch Ness Monster was first reported on the local news on May 2, 1933. Local newspaper Ivernus Courier reported an account of a local couple who claimed to have seen an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface. It quickly became a media phenomenon, and even London news outlets sent correspondents to Scotland and offered £20,000 to whoever caught the beast. After the first sighting, the interest in Loch Ness Monster steadily grew especially when the couple claimed they saw the beast walking on land. Amateur investigators have scoured the lake for decades, and even British universities launched sonar expeditions to the lake in the 1960s. However, nothing conclusive was found except for some sonar signals that detected some type of large, moving underwater objects. By 1975, they combined sonar and underwater photography to look for the monster resulting in an image that vaguely shows a giant flipper of an aquatic animal. Further investigations in the 1980s and 1990s only resulted in inconclusive readings, and then in 1994, it was revealed that the 1934 photo was fake. But still, it did not dampen the enthusiasm of tourists and investigators for the legendary Loch Ness Monster. In 2019, researchers from New Zealand tried to catalog all living species in the loch by extracting DNA from water samples and ruled out the possibility of a prehistoric marine reptile called plesiosaur. Professor, Professor Neil Gemmel, a geneticist from the New Zealand University of Otago, said they didn't find any evidence supporting the idea that there's a plesiosaur in the loch. There was no shark, catfish, or sturgeon DNA in Loch Ness based on their sampling. Instead, they found significant eel DNA. The data doesn't reveal the size, but Gemmel said giant eels in Loch Ness can be a possibility. Therefore, we can't discount the possibility that what people see and believe is the Loch Ness monster might be a giant eel, Gemmel said per BBC. 
That would be pretty creepy if it was a giant eel. Absolutely. Eels are freaky. Totally creepy. I mean, fucking Christ. It could be, with the exception of, I believe, one sighting on, like, alleged sighting on the street. It's all been in the water, and it's all been this kind of serpentine-looking thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we found out Nessie was just some big fucking eel. Like a prehistoric eel. I mean, there's all sorts of species. I was reading, like, recently that that um, fossilization is such a crazy process that, like, so few, uh, you know, like dead bodies, like actually. Oh like yeah. All, all, all the things that fossilize, dead bodies, dead vegetation, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty. What, what we do have, it's, it's amazing. Um, random chance that we even have it, even like the, the, the few fossils that we have. I think we talked about this in the Bigfoot episode, actually, how simply not finding something in the fossil record doesn't mean it didn't exist because of how it's limited. Like you've got to have a very specific set of circumstances Mm -hmm. in order for a fossil to even be made. Yes. So I'm sure that there are more things on this planet that we will never know about because they left no trace Mm -hmm. than there are things that we even know are alive today. Oh yeah, definitely. So I believe that Nessie could easily be one of those things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also, the ocean is such a vast place. And uh, I mean, the lock isn't necessarily as vast, but still, trying to find shit underwater is fucking hard. Really fucking hard. I believe we've explored more of near Earth orbit than we have of water on Earth, like underwater on Earth. Yes. So, sure. giant fucking eels i believe it Mm -hmm, me too i totally believe it i find it fascinating i actually didn't know about like the eel dna oh yeah yeah that was uh that was the big the big thing that the most recent like big scientific thing they did is when they just tested like all the dna just like what the fuck is in this big old puddle right and uh yeah apparently tons of eels (laughs) 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 well why don't you creep us out with a fucking ventriloquist doll joanna so do you remember that you sent me this this link um be, at alex alex's uh suggestion no yeah you texted it to me because alex had suggested this for a bonus episode oh and oh, i, I clicked I on the ring re- yeah i, I do and, remember that happening yeah, yeah, yeah and folks if you remember alex has been guest that has a couple um, times been a guest on the show a couple of times and, and done that with us and it that was always a good time i'd love like if we're recording in person again sometime like to have alex drop in and well he's got my session. phone it'd be easy enough for us all to uh oh yeah know, we, could, we could all facetime together yeah, yeah. that's true that's true i, I don't think i've done these days i know i know i don't think i've done like a three-way facetime but i have done like uh the the zoom groups right yeah, right we, we've done Zo- i mean i mean who hasn't nowadays you, with the, you the... and your you and your three ways <laughs> but yeah it's it's always just been like one-on-one or like a big um like group thing a big I don't old think, group thing. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i haven't yet just explored the three-way <laughs> no no it's either it's either just two or a ton yeah but never just three well you know We'll see how it happens. So I read 
the you know I clicked on the link that you texted to me about it, and I was just like, "Ooh, this is creepy." And I decided that it it just couldn't be a bonus episode because it was just, everyone has to hear it. Yeah, everyone has to hear it. It's creepy enough that the whole world. Yeah, I wanted well, I wanted I mean, to share this with all us, yeah. you know with everyone who listens, not not just our our Patreon subscribers, although you know fucking love you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for your support. Anyways, I'm gonna read the the story direct from the link like verbatim so this comes off of mundosirix.com or siri x i don't know yeah how, however that's pronounced and the submission is uh by username eddie and it was or edie i don't know it's edy Posted to the site July 30th, 2020. There are ventriloquists with the talent of making the public smile by making shows with their puppets. Although many of these tend to have disturbing expressions, in the end, they show a sympathy with their funny jokes. Now, side note, I fucking hate puppets, all right? Yeah. Puppets are scary as shit. They are, like, one of the things I really, that, like, really put me off. I fucking hate the shit out of them. Not a big Jim Henson fan? Uh, Actually, I don't mind Muppets. Muppets. I don't mind Muppets. Because Muppets are not creepy. And, it, and there's like, oh God, I forgot. I should have noted the um, uh, the phobia. It's like, you know, people have the phobias about like the holes and stuff, like seeing like groups of holes together. Well, there's a there's yeah. a phobia for stuff that like, um, you know, represents, um, you know, humans like like people that, that don't like puppets, like have this specific phobia and maybe it might Huh? Puppophobia? It's not puppophobia. It's called something else, but Okay, because that's the thing. It's the fear of puppets. Oh, I didn't well, it was called something else because it it, it was more generalized, like with stuff that's that's um human in nature, you know, like like a fake human. So fear of like a uh of human esque inanimate objects. <laughs> I don't know. It would probably would include dolls and stuff, but there is this article saying that like people who have automatonophobia. Specific... Yes, that's what it is. The fear of human-like figures. The fear of human-like figures, and most people who have this fear, um, actually are not put off by Muppets in particular for whatever reason. Probably because they're less inclined to be so human-like. Yes. Because you know Kermit the Frog. Mm-hmm. Miss Piggy. They're uh, anthropomorphic, but they're not actually right human. Right. So I love the Muppets, actually. I love the Muppets, but I hate the shit out of puppets, especially like Frank Ventriloquist dummy puppets. All yeah, right. I those don't, like, are I don't like, like those. Yeah, that's not. They are so fucking creepy. So fucking creepy. Super fucking weird. Super fucking weird. Going back to the story. Charlie McCarthy used to be one of them. He was recognized for being a successful ventriloquist in the 20th century, as during his performances, he used to have a rather peculiar puppet. However, things would change when it was discovered that he had a dark secret he had been carrying for some time. 
1920, McCarthy became famous in one of his first shows by introducing Edgar, a ventriloquist puppet with quite different characteristics from a normal one. It represented an eight-year-old boy. His complexion was plump and his facial features were very expressive and somewhat chilling. And even though his eyes were made of wood, it could reflect a look of sadness or even evil. Huh. Still, what made McCarthy grow and turn him into a master was his ability to change his voice in an extremely different way and without showing any facial movement when interpreting Edgar's voice. This is what got the attention of many people who followed him through his tours. However, not all people thought the same back then. There were many who were superstitious and started rumors of McCarthy being an apprentice of witchery, since they believed <laughs> that he used some evil trick to make the puppet speak. This rumor spread so fast that people began banning children from attending his performances. Wait, so w when did this happen? Uh, in the 20s, 1920s. Okay, all right. People started talking even more about the topic when it was found out that McCarthy had a strange fascination with the puppet. He used to take care of him as if it was his own son and didn't allow the public or work staff to get close to Edgar. He was the only one who could touch and keep him inside his box. <laughs> At the end, his career ended one night while McCarthy was touring the United States. When the show was over, he went to the dressing room and locked himself in there for hours. The theater workers realized that he was still inside the place, so they knocked through the door to warn him they were about to close, but McCarthy didn't answer. After countless rumors that ran, after countless rumors that ran out over the star, it was expected that employees feared coming into the room. They decided to call the police, thinking the worst. When they arrived and forced the dressing room door, they found something that left them totally in shock. McCarthy was laying on the ground lifeless, his neck completely destroyed and soaked in red. <laughs> After reacting to the terrible scene, the authorities focused on finding Edgar. They thought that some individual had entered the dressing room in order to take McCarthy's life and steal the puppet. But when they found the box and opened it, the puppet was there with a penetrating and chilling gaze that even the officers themselves feared to grab him. But it was necessary to, since they had to carry out the investigation to discover what had caused the horrible tragedy. <laughs> While analyzing the puppet, they discovered something even more terrifying. The investigation into McCarthy's death was interrupted when they found out that Edgar was not actually a puppet, but the actual body of a child. Jesus Christ. There were fingerprints on the puppet's fingers, and his face was covered with a latex mask to cover his paleness. They couldn't figure out the identity of that poor boy, and the most dreadful thing is, is that nobody knew how McCarthy got to keep up on the body of that innocent. Charlie McCarthy wasn't actually a bad person. There's this theory which mentions he lost his son, and after much sadness and being in denial to accept his loss, he decided to keep his body and turn him into a puppet, so that way he could live even if it was only during his shows. Yeah, that's still fucking creepy and weird. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. 
Well, here's the part uh, where I have to tell all you guys that it's not true. Oh. Yes. Now, I mean, I was totally taken aback when I read this, and I'm like, holy fuck, let's find out some shit about this. But when I, when you, like, uh, start searching the web and trying to find, like, uh, other sources, like, this is the only place that this story is posted. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, I was bummed. I was bummed. I I had really been on the lookout for a good, you know, like, kind of Carl Tanzler-esque story to tell. I can't remember if it was a regular or bonus episode that we did on Carl Tanzler. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was a guy who broke into the crypt of a young girl named Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyas. Um, I think she went by Elena. He was obsessed with her and he stole her body and uh, then he kept it and fucked it yeah. for like seven years. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. Really gross. Really gross. Yes. <laughs> he used plaster of Paris, coat hangers, morticians, wax, and silk to help him preserve and keep the shape of her body. Yeah. 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 It was a great episode. Um, worth listening to again, perhaps. And if it's not listed on our like main episode list, then it was a Patreon uh, episode and, you know, maybe worth checking out becoming a patron. Sorry for that shameless plug there, but. <laughs> I think that it is a bonus episode. Okay. I thought maybe. So. Yeah, gotta, gotta, gotta check out episode. our Patreon if you want to hear the full, um, <laughs> the full episode on good old Carl Tanzler. Yeah, great guy, great guy. Back to the Charlie McCarthy story. Um, so after I realized, like, okay, like, damn, it's this isn't true. It can't be found anywhere, and also there's a lot of factual contradictions out there from what I did find. I also um, realized that, you know, it it began to make more sense that this couldn't have actually happened in real life, at least not all that easily. Um, if someone was, you know, trying to use a dead body as a ventriloquist puppet. I mean, if you simply want to just pull a Carl Tanzler with a body as a merely possessive and then maybe more gross. But to um, actually, like you know, yeah, the, the, I mean, that's a be... yeah. The process for for just keeping and fucking a dead body, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. You follow what I like to call the Carl Tanzler two step, which is step one: paper mache the fuck out of the body, and step two: make a fuck tube. And again, you can hear all about the fuck tube on the bonus <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> But try to imagine what would be involved not only in preserving the body, but making it into a functional, like, moving object. Yeah, you'd have to really do a lot of a lot of work. Uh, that would be a lot of work, you know, to make it so you can use your hand to, like, manipulate the jaw movements and rotate the head. Like, that would actually, like, oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's really kind of... It would have to be pretty yeah. small. I mean, like, maybe, like, a baby, but not, like, a, mm -hmm. like, a, even a toddler, I think, might be too big. I don't really know. I don't right. have kids. Right. But I'm sure they're not small enough, like a, like a, like a ventriloquist dummy. Right. And also, I mean, 
it'd be heavy to hold up with just one arm like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That no, that, if you really thought that about it, that would be a like, really tough bullshit. job. That would be some like yeah. taking apart and putting together on like a massive scale to where yeah. Yeah. Lovely imagery though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, do you know that there is a real Edgar and Charlie though? Is there? And it is still a little bit creepy. So uh, the, the true story of Edgar and Charlie is, is I mean, not like as, as uh, fantastically uh, creepy and gross, but it is, <laughs> right. it is unusual. Now, in the real life story of Edgar and Charlie, Charlie McCarthy is actually the dummy. And then like Edgar is like the real living, breathing human. The real boy. Yeah, exactly. Edgar's the real boy. And that is none other than Edgar Bergen. So the Charlie McCarthy ventriloquist dummy was um, created by Edgar, and he was created in the 1920s. And the Charlie McCarthy original guy, I mean, have you seen, have you seen Slappy from the uh, Goosebumps? No. Movies? Okay, well, you know, when you think of a ventriloquist dummy, like the classic one, like, yeah, Edgar like Bergen a, is the guy who... He's got, who, like, the ginger hair. Yeah. Like the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He is the guy who, who created that prototype, basically. I mean, he I didn't see. carve it himself, but he... He, like, drew it up, or whatever. Yeah, he drew it and came up with the idea of it. The um, made of wood and plastic, human hair, glass eyes, little, uh, you know, monocle and top hat. Yeah. Yeah. Edgar Bergen was born on February 16th, 1903 in Chicago, Illinois, and he was, um, his parents were like Swedish immigrants. His father was actually the Swedish chef from the Muppets. (laughs) From the Muppets. Yeah. (laughs) Now that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, I don't think that guy actually had any kids, though. Yeah, I think he was a confirmed bachelor, that Swedish chef. Yeah, Yeah, that could be. Quote unquote. Mm hmm. He, uh, Edgar began to, um, learn about and, uh, become interested in ventriloquism when he was just 11 years old. And by the time he started going to college at Northwestern University, he was beginning to master it. Now, sometime right when he was finishing high school, or uh, when he was just starting out at Northwestern University in 1922, he asked a Chicago-area woodcarver, his name was Theodore Mack, to make a dummy based on a sketch of an Irish newspaper boy. So that is how the dummy uh, Charlie McCarthy was created. <laughs> he was off the image of an Irish newspaper boy. And that is, and, uh, you know... I guess Charlie McCarthy was the name that old Edgar came up with. That was just the name of <laughs> Irish newspaper boys to him. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So they started having a, you know, they they had an act together, you could say. And he became quite famous. He was he did a uh the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy show was like a 
total like fixture of American network radio from 1937 to 1957. He had a, a fucking show for 20 years. You know, I think that ventriloquism over the radio is probably pretty fucking easy to do. <laughs> right, but he also appeared in several uh, did, <laughs> he did several live television shows, he appeared in movies. There's yeah. all sorts of appearances. It was just that 1937 like, you know, that's how you got your name out there was doing was radio. fucking radio, yeah. Cuz ventriloquist radio show. Yeah. Hey. I don't think people even had television sets yet. That was like in 37, I don't think so. No. So Not sure. I don't think the first television set came out until like the 19 mid 40s, I think. Yeah. So for probably like the first decade, it was just radio. And then you could probably like go and see that stuff. And he he'd perform on vaudeville during World War Two. He went out, he ran around and performed for the troops, you know, to entertain American troops. So, yeah, he got really really famous for it. He married a super, um, uh, you know, well known model named Frances Westcott. And had one daughter who would be none other than Candace Bergen, who is really yeah, Candace Bergen is his daughter. From Full House. Uh no, she no, that's Candace Cameron. Oh wait, oh Candace Bergen was she? She was Murphy Brown, right? Yeah, Murphy Brown. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably something only like people our age and older even know about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it that's was a funny. sitcom on TV for a long time. She was a lawyer, right? Yeah. Murphy Brown was? Yeah, yeah, Murphy Brown was a lawyer. And what else? She's been in Sex and the City, like the original Sex and the City. She was um, in some of the later seasons. She played a big character as uh, Carrie Bradshaw's like editor, you know, at Vogue. So, yeah, she was in that. She's been in lots of movies. Can Candace Bergen has been in a ton of shit, so. Yeah, she is. She was super famous. She's probably not acting anymore. No, or maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess I don't necessarily know. She's been in stuff from time to time. I haven't seen her in anything recently, but she she's definitely... Oh, yeah, she's in shit recently. She is? What, what's she been in recently? Uh, she is currently in a show called The Connors. Mm. She plays a character called Barb. Is The Connors the one that used to be Roseanne? Yeah. Yeah. The Connors is the Roseanne reboot. I think Roseanne was in that show, and then she said something that was racist, not cool. Yeah. <laughs> was it racist? It was racist. I okay, believe. Yeah. So, I believe there uh, yeah. was like something referenced about like I think it was Michelle Obama and a gorilla or something like that. Oh wow! So, yeah, it was pretty terrible. Like, but yeah, so they renamed. I guess it was called Roseanne, and they renamed it The Connors. Mm-hmm. And Candace Bergen is in that. Interesting. I've never seen the Connors. I have not either. You know, I wasn't, a, I mean, I liked Roseanne, but I wasn't like, I didn't like, like, like it enough to where I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, the Connors, like now I got to see the reboot. And apparently oh. Murphy Brown, like happened in 2018 somehow. Uh, that's, I don't remember Murphy. Season. Yeah, maybe because I don't remember Murphy Brown beyond yeah, like 1987 so there was a or something yeah, like that. It, it, it ended in 97. And then there was a reboot season, I guess, in 2018. Interesting. Yeah, so there you go. If anyone yeah. ever needed to know anything about Candace Bergen, <laughs> there, there we are. 
Well, she had quite, I mean, um, Charlie grew up as her brother, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's super, that's super weird. Yeah, and there's all these pictures of them, like, together, like, as children. So yeah, she yeah. was an only child, but uh, Charlie was still referred to her as, like, as her brother, like, her entire yeah. life. And she wrote this book called A Fine Romance. <laughs> oh, and did you know she's won, f- she's a five-time Emmy winner? Candace Bergen. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Very impressive. But in her book, she ha- wrote a lot about her um, uncomfortable upbringing with her uh, brother being a dummy and also being favored over her. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. So I'm going to quote this uh, magazine article out of womansday.com. She recalls sitting down to breakfast on one of her father's knees. Charlie placed on the other. Quote, a gentle squeeze on the back of my neck was my cue to open and shut my mouth so he could ventriloquize me. Charlie and I would chatter together silently while behind us dad would supply the snappy repartee for both of us. Quote, end quote. Wow, that's... Yeah. Uh, that's fucking something else. That is something Holy else. shit. Now, there's another article out of uh, VanityFair.com where she's talking about this picture of the two of them at Christmas time at the top of the stairs of the family home. And they're both wearing, like, matching footy pajamas. So her and, you know, Charlie McCarthy are just sitting there. And she's, like, four year, three or four years old. So she's not too right. much bigger than Charlie McCarthy. Now, this picture, she says, quote, let's get one thing straight. I don't want your pity. However, this photo of Charlie McCarthy and me in our matching feety pajamas neatly sums up my childhood. My father was a ventriloquist on the radio, and the dummy he created was a cocky, charming character who went on to become an icon in 40s and 50s America. While technically an only child, I was always known, as a kid at least, as Charlie's sister. Now I want your pity. Is it any wonder my early performances in film were referred to as wooden? This picture was one of many photo ops that people in the entertainment business were required to do for fan magazines to maintain awareness. It shows the two of us from a Christmas layout taken at our home in Beverly Hills. I was four. The curse of having a wooden brother. Damn. That's fucking crazy. Other notable things about the relationship between Charlie and Candace is that Charlie had his own room in their Beverly Hills home, and it was bigger than Candace's. Jesus Christ. So fucking Pinocchio gets a bigger... Yeah. Gets a bigger goddamn room. What's up with that? Like... It's just so weird. Like, why would you... Another uh, thing in his will, Edgar uh, left ten thousand dollars to Charlie. So he left ten thousand dollars to the puppet. I'm not quite sure the details on how that exactly gets claimed, but yeah, right. I mean, uh, did he get a different ventriloquist to come over and 
ventriloquize the puppet to fucking sign the paperwork or whatever. Candace was left nothing. Wow. Damn. So he left the fucking puppet ten grand and her nothing. Now, I mean, maybe something it had something to do with the fact that, like, by the time he died, you know, she was probably like established with uh, a a career and was going to be making money. And maybe he was just feeling like, you know, par- poor Charlie without me, like he has no career. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's he gonna do without me? He's just a piece of wood without me. He's gonna end up on the streets. <laughs> Doing contests with for money. Just fucking on the streets, just hopping <laughs> on people's hands for money. Anyone want their dick sucked by a puppet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking something. Jesus. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. So that's that's the story of the the real Charlie Charlie and Edgar. Uh, that's a, that's that's. I I feel right like there. that's creepy and that's that's creepy enough. I mean, I yeah, would be. I can't imagine. I mean, I hate puppets, and I I can't imagine like growing like up with one. Growing like up with a real reason to hate them, <laughs> like actually having a legit reason to hate the shit yeah. out of them, <laughs> because you had a puppet brother that got like everything. Like she was always uh, trying to, you know. Uh, impress her father yeah one of the puppet and she never could and it was just like a really hard thing to deal with um i'll end with one last quote from her quote i chased my father's approval all my life and here was proof i'd never get it end quote and she's she's writing about like the the doll being left the puppet being left the 10 grand her getting nothing in in her father's will and just like fucking crazy yeah that is absolutely insane it's a bigger room gets all his attention like she had to like you know, pretend to be a puppet too and have like silent conversations that her father had to narrate, like as a small child. <laughs> There's That's... this whole photo shoot of her and the fucking like puppet wearing matching outfits together. Like, oh. There's a creepy one of her like baby in the bassinet and like the puppet is like looking down on her with like his hand on the side of the bassinet. It's creepy as fuck. That's fucking weird. It is so weird. It is so, it is so weird. weird. People are strange. People are, are weird strange. Animals. They are indeed. They are indeed. So, um, no, not quite, you know, the true story isn't quite as like Carl Tanzler-esque weird, but it's still weird. All it's right. Still, it's weirder because it's true. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, Carl Tanzler's true too. No, no, but I mean. <laughs> Unfortunately. Like, uh, okay. But yeah, no, I mean, no. Yeah. As far it's as like the like, other, the yeah. other uh, mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This being the true story of um, Charlie and Edgar is is a little more creepy and weird. Yeah, definitely. Well, that involves an actual child who is, you know, probably kind Neglected. of traumatized. Yes. Yeah. I mean, imagine this, this is what you have to tell your therapist about. Like, yeah, like, okay, oh, my brother, do you mean the doll? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh-huh. have, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. That's terrible. Well, I have a newfound respect for Candace Bergen. I mean, yeah, I mean, she dealt with all that. Shit. Yeah, she yeah. did. Oh my god. 
Oh my gosh. It's hard enough when one of your siblings is like totally like blatantly favored by your parents, but I can't even imagine it. It's, it's not even even a fucking, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not even, not just breathing, but having never breathed. Yes. (laughs) Well, let's close out the episode with, uh, this saucy little article from sevennews.com.au, Australian news source. Uh, I saw it actually reported in several different places. I just decided to read the Australian one because, hey, why not? Alien abductions, sexual encounters, and deaths among, among hundreds of reported UFO effects. Newly, newly released information from a shadowy Pentagon program details how unexplained, unexplained phenomena continue to puzzle officials by Gus Bruno, released on the 5th of April this year, 2022. Oh, so pretty, just a couple days ago. Just a couple days ago. All right. Apparent abductions, burns, paralysis, brain damage, and sexual encounters are among the list of psychological effects experienced by people who have come in contact with UFOs, according to a newly released report from a secretive Pentagon program. More than 1,500 pages from a now-defunct Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, AATIP, AATIP, if you will. (laughs) AATIP. AATIP. Released to the Sun by the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency have outlined the reported encounters with unidentified objects. The study compiled back in 2010, entitled Anomalous Acute and Subacute Field Effects on Human Biological Tissues, Rolls right off the tongue there. Oh, yeah. Included references to sightings of ghosts, yetis, spirits, and interactions with other that resulted in injury, death, or permanent healing. Attached to the report was a list of psychological effects on people who had come into contact with UFO or unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs, which is what it's now called. Right. They've, it's they've not, gotten it's, rid of the UFO. It's right. now UAPs. It's a new era. I don't know. UAP is just. This doesn't sound right. Like Yeah, you'll get used to it. It's okay. The list compiled by the Mutual UFO Network included 129 reported cases of apparent abductions, 77 cases of electromagnetic effects on vehicles, 75 instances of perceived time loss, 41 reported cases of burns, 23 cases of electric shocks, 18 reports on force field impacts, and 5 reported sexual encounters. The existence of the secretive AA TIP program was revealed by its former head and whistleblower, Luis Elizondo, in 2017. In an interview with GQ in November 2021, he hinted at some of the effects of reported interactions with UFOs and UAPs. I've got to be careful. I can't speak too specifically, but one might imagine that you get a report from a pilot who says, Lou. It's really weird. I was flying, and I got close to a thing, and I came back home, and it was like I got a sunburn. I was red for four days, he said. Well, that's a sign of radiation. That's not a sunburn. It's a radiation burn. Then, a pilot might say, if they had got a little closer, Lou, I'm at the hospital. I've got symptoms that are indicative of microwave damage, meaning internal injuries, and even my brain. There's some morphology there. And then you might get someone who gets really close and says, you know, Lou, it's really bizarre. It feels like I was there for only five minutes, but when I looked at my watch, 30 minutes went by. 
but I only used five minutes worth of fuel. How is that possible? Well, there's a reason for that. We believe, and it probably has to do with warping of space-time. The report also shows how authorities rate different encounters with UFOs. There are anomalous behaviors, which can be rated as AN1, AN3, or AN5. AN1 includes encounters that have no lasting physical effects, including sightings of lights. AN3 includes encounters where people come within 150 meters of an associated entity, such as a ghost, elves, or other mythical-slash-legendary entities. AN5 are classified as reports of injury and death. Interactions can also be classified as close encounters, and branded as CE1, CE2, CE4, or CE5. I don't know why there's not a CE3. CE1 includes when a UFO comes within 150 meters of a witness, and CE2 when a close encounter leaves, a physical, marks, leaves physical marks on a witness. CE4 is when a witness is abducted, abducted, and CE5 when a close encounter leads to permanent physical injury or death. So what did they classify the fucking as? <laughs> I don't think we've gotten to the fucking part yet. Okay. <laughs> well, and okay, I mean, isn't it close encounters of the third kind? Isn't that the title well, of the... That's the movie, yeah. Right, but that's isn't that a CE3? Like, why, you know, what the fuck? I'm all kinds of I confused. mean, I guess so, because, I mean, a CE4 is when you're abducted. Mm-hmm. But a CE2 is when you leave physical marks on a witness, so maybe a CE3. I don't know why they don't have a CE3. Maybe a, a third, like a close encounter of the third kind is, is they just don't talk about it because everyone fucking knows. It's when right. <laughs> you like, you meet one and you play songs to it, mm -hmm. mashed potatoes or whatever. Guys play a little Monopoly, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Dominoes, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe everyone knows about that. Why do we even have that's why it's not a you know an official category because True. Like, everyone fucking knows. It's like, yeah, duh. Duh. Okay. It's that movie, you bitches. Alright. What is a UFO? In short, a UFO is a flying object that looks or moves unlike any aircraft. By their very nature, UFOs are shrouded in mystery, and there are still a lot more questions and answers about these unexplained incidents. There have been numerous UFO sightings in recent years, but the military has only recently verified a handful of those reported encounters. In 2021, the Pentagon confirmed the authenticity of photos and videos taken by Navy personnel in 2019 that appeared to show triangle-shaped objects blinking and moving through the clouds. Another set of photos from Navy personnel showed three objects, apparently flying in the, flying in the sky, shaped like a sphere, an acorn, and a metallic blimp. In April 2020, the Pentagon released three short videos from infrared cameras that appeared to show flying objects moving quickly. Two of the videos contained service members reacting in awe at how quickly the objects are moving. One voice speculates that it could be a drone. The Navy previously acknowledged the veracity of the videos in September of 2019, but officially released them months later in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage had been circulated was real, or whether or not there was more to the videos. Pentagon <laughs> spokesperson Sue Go said at the time. You know, I remember that shit when like yeah, all that yeah. stuff was coming out and they're like, yeah, basically like, yeah, um aliens are are definitely a thing that are probably that's probably real. Like we don't know what this thing is either, but we you know are saying that yeah, this is this is a It's a thing. It's a thing. 
We yeah. don't know what it is either, but yeah, no, that's a real video. That's those are real pictures of us being like, "Hey, what the fuck is this thing?" Yeah, holy shit! <laughs> and then of course we're like, just like fucking like ass deep in the pandemic, and we're like, "Yeah, we don't give a fuck." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice try, right nice the try. They were like, "Hey guys, aliens," and we're like, "We're all dying, so we're gonna yeah, have to stay so, home for a while." Uh, instead. Yeah, ni- nice try, but you didn't manage to distract us from that. Yeah, exactly. no, we're all dying instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give us a couple of years. It was just so funny that that was like you know, all this crazy shits happening, and, and then like they're like, no "Oh one yeah, gives so, a fuck yeah. about aliens, like whatever, you bullshit, like we don't they're care." Like, so yeah, this is a thing, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't care," you know. <laughs> it's totally. <laughs> Any other time in history, people are like, like, "What the fuck just no, happened?" Like this is but like not. long-awaited confirmation. Here, you know, they're like, "No." Yeah, no. and everyone's just like, "Yeah, just go fuck off with that." Fuck off with your bullshit. (laughs) After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems, said Go in a statement, and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. In 2017, one of the pilots who saw one of the unidentified objects in 2004 told CNN that it moved in ways he couldn't explain. As I got close to it, it rapidly accelerated to the south and disappeared in less than two seconds, said retired U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping-pong ball bouncing off a wall. It would hit and go the other way. Are we talking about aliens? The U.S. government's acknowledgement UFOs are real undoubtedly begs the question, are we alone? Elizondo told CNN in 2017 that he personally believes there is very compelling evidence that we may not be alone. These aircraft, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory, nor in any foreign inventory that we are aware of, Elizondo said of objects they researched. He says he resigned from the Department from the Defense Department in 2017 in protest over the secrecy surrounding the program and the internal opposition to funding it. But in reality, interest in the Pentagon's handling of reported unidentified flying objects has more to do with ensuring any potential national security implications are being taken seriously, whether they are of this world or not. It doesn't matter if it's a weather balloon, little green men, or something else entirely. We can't ask our pilots to put their lives at risk unnecessarily, Rachel Cohen, spokeswoman for Democratic Virginia Senator Mark Warner, told CNN in 2019 after senators received a classified briefing from Navy, Navy officials on an unidentified aircraft. So yeah, very little about sex, really. They're just saying, like, five people were like, we got laid. <laughs> and I think that's a CE-69, I believe. Oh, a CE-69, huh? Yeah, very yeah. Cute. That, very that's cute. probably what it is. And that's, probably yeah. Is. So yeah, aliens, guys, and they might you might get lucky. So, <laughs> you know. I would be just fine not having any uh, encounters of any kind, just because I'm a little... What if they're sexy aliens? What if they're a bunch of young Harrison Fords? (laughs) Or, like, remember that movie, Earth Girls Are Easy? Yeah, yeah. Where they're all furry, and then they, you know, um, shaved them. Became Jim Carrey and... uh, Uh, It was Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. I think, wasn't Jim Carrey one of them? I can't remember. Maybe it was Damon Wayans one of them or something? it, It was... Yeah. Two of the three were like known, but Jeff Goldblum Goldblum was like the, you know, 
the lead hot one. Yeah, the the lead the lead hottie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, amazing. Just shaved the fur off, and they were just totally like humanoid and hot. Yep, Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans. I fucking called it. What? Wow! Yep. Yep. Wow! It, it has been a while. It has been a while since I have watched that. Watched Earth Girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm guessing it doesn't hold up. But yeah, Gina Davis is the main the main woman, and. Uh, uh, Cindy Lauper is she in it, or is it just someone singing like lip syncing Cindy Lauper songs? Because that's where I think the, the I song "Girls Just Want to Have it... Fun" is in that movie, right? I think so, and I can't remember if, honestly if it was Cindy Lauper who played her friend or if it was somebody else. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure that movie really held up for its time. <laughs> when Probably it was not. Actually I mean, it was one of those movies but... that it played on Comedy Central in like the middle of the day in yes. July. So yes. You know. Yeah. Still, it's 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 iconic though in its own way. True, true, <laughs> true. But yeah, I feel like that would maybe not be the case if um it was an actual alien. And uh maybe not, probably not, who knows. Yeah, and I'm just I'm not sure why they won't talk to us. Like it could be like are they still like plotting to to take us over or is it just that they have decided that we are Trash and uh, (laughs) they don't want to talk to primitives because we'll just fucking shoot nukes at them. Yeah, they're like fuck these guys. (laughs) They are still waiting for uh thing for us to get to a point where they're like, okay, maybe now we can talk to them. Yeah, maybe this is safe now. Yeah, but I I think we're probably pretty far from that point. Yeah, they check in every every now and again. It's like yeah, human beings still still trash. Yeah, yeah. Still primitives. <laughs> Go to the next place. Yeah, but I, I think they're out there and they just don't want to talk to us for whatever reason. Fuck, I don't want to talk to us, so I can't really blame them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that is what we have for you today. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And real quick, because I almost forgot again to do my sources. This is what happens when I start off with one and then I forget to like name all the other ones. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> The store, the sources for my story, the (laughs) sources for my story. I really hate getting old. It's like, (laughs) you know, you open your mouth and just this shit just comes out of it. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, to be fair, Joanna, why can't I speak anymore? It's it's, it's always been like that. That that is true and fair. Uh, www.siedu www.vanityfair.com mundosiriex.com dangerousminds.net www.womensday.com and www.britannica.com are my sources for today's episode which I hope you enjoyed and so if you did enjoy it, you should join our Patreon, patreon.com slash stranger than podcast, where for $1, you can just support us because you love us. For $2, you get the regular episodes ad free. And for $5 a month, you get a bonus episode where Joanna terif- uh, you know, horrifies you with her true crime stories. That's right. You can find us on social media sites. We're not great at them, but we're there. You can just search us out, stranger or stranger than or stranger than podcast. The podcast syndicate we're a part of, ageofradio.org, you can go to to listen to all kinds of other podcasts. Our particular little corner of that place is ageofradio.org slash stranger than. 
You can email us at strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us stories about alien abductions, alien sexual encounters, mm. uh, Bigfoot stories, ghosts, just, you know, whatever. Any weirdo shit that happens, send us a story. We would love to share it on the podcast. With or without your name attached, it is completely up to you. And I think that's pretty much all we got for you. So uh, we'll talk to you next time. And stay strange. Thank you.